Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. With me is my co-host, a man who can literally teach sales with one hand tied behind his back, Darren Cecil. Darren, what are we going to discuss today? Well, Dave, I know you said I cannot say it yet again. However, there may be some new listeners, and I thought I will say it one more time, and you can rip on me once again. I'm impressed that you were able to find yet another guest speaker, and I don't know how much this is costing you, but I'm so glad we're not splitting this cost. Oh, oh, yawn. Sorry, Darren. You know, when I've heard that intro, was this the fourth time you've used this now? So, so, so you're now, I, I think you're banned from the podcast. I, I don't know what else to do. Uh, Cause I've told you, I've asked you, I've begged you, I've cajoled you, please, please. This is about being authentic and yet you continue on this inauthentic path. So thank you for modeling the behavior we're trying to avoid. Um, I still get my check, right? Yeah, you still get you still get your check. I mean, how else are you going to be here? And so the the unknown voice is actually uh, a a a good friend of mine uh, and Boney. How do I describe Anne? I think there's only two words that would do her even close to justice. Uh Oh, redhead. (laughs) so Anne is the uh which title did we come up with the chief fire starter head igniter um chief wampum i don't know what 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 what, what, sorry i think we landed on chief ignition officer chief ignition officer yes for and the company name is ignite your passion uh Clearly, it's very memorable. Um, no, the, I have an ignite your influence is my tagline. Uh, right. Business is Ann Bonnie Enterprises. Because, you know, when you get the chance, you name a business after yourself. Well, if you have a name like Ann Bonnie, you do because it's a pretty unique name. But trust me, Dave Rosenberg, boring. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I admire you on many different levels, if not at least for your unique name. So, with us, Ann Bonnie, Ann Bonnie Enterprises, the chief. Ignite ignition officer. I sorry, it's just not rolling off my tongue. So, um, welcome to the show, Ann. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> Good to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, hopefully, we could get through this show in a coherent manner, and our listeners actually could get something out of it. But I have a feeling it's going to be a bit of a challenge. And we always start off. Uh, the name of the podcast, obviously, is disarming persuasion, and so we love to ask our guests. What does the phrase disarming persuasion mean to you? I think it means that once you suddenly realize you've been persuaded and you're like, wait, wait, what just happened? You know, it's like when you're at those, those, uh, condo sales, the timeshare things, and all of a sudden you realize you're writing a check and you're like, what? And you're just, you're disarmed because you've been persuaded to something that you didn't think. And sometimes it's bad like that example, but sometimes it can be good as well. Yeah. I, I, there's, I've done a couple of those timeshare things because, you know, I, I wanted the bucko steak knives as my co-host likes to call them. Uh, they're never worth it ever, ever, ever. 
And but, you never yeah. use the timeshare either. <laughs> well, I've never bought one. I'm, and I'm not. I'm strong enough to avoid that. But but I'll tell you, you do feel that pull as are ringing the bells and those balloons are going up. It's sometimes hard not to go up and say, "I want to. I, I want to be part of that." And it's oh, the, yeah. psycho- the psychology there is really everything we try to avoid. Mm-hmm. Here. But the but the opposite of it, you know, for example, right now, I'm the president of our National Speakers Association chapter in Michigan, and I got persuaded to do that because the past president is such an incredibly influential and incredibly magnetic person that when she asked, I couldn't say no. And then I suddenly was like, oh, crap, I just said yes. <laughs> and then, of course, I get to be president during a pandemic. So that's been fun. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I empathize with that too. As you know, I'm I'm the VP of my current with my chapter here, which means I'm in it for the long haul. Because as you know, we're we VP, president elect, president, and then immediate past president. So I got four years of this ahead of me. Uh, but I'm seriously excited to actually give back and and help oh, the yeah. folks who've who've helped me. So um, well, thank you for such a great answer. You know, it's funny we we always talk about this, but our our guests have different views and some are positive and some are negative. And, and there you are covering both bases. You know, that's one of the things that I've been so interested in lately as society is so divided, you know, it's so easy to put somebody in a villain category or some put something in a bad category. But the fact is there's so rarely black and white, especially when it comes to humans. And so I have always look at the other side because there's, there's usually two sides to it. Hmm. Well, I have to ask a question because I've never met someone that puts Ignite, Ignition, anything in their title. So I would love to know, tell me about what that title is and what do you do? Because when I hear Ignite, I usually think of something completely different. So like you said, persuasion, disarmament persuasion could be both sides. Ignite, Ignition can also be both sides. So I'm curious fill us in and a little bit about the title and what you do. Yeah. So as a motor, I mean, I've always kind of been a cheerleader. I've always been a motivator. When I was a special needs teacher, I worked with emotional kids with emotional disabilities and behavioral disorders who did not want to be in school. And so I needed to motivate them to learn and to be there and to pay attention. Um, I used to be an animal trainer. I trained seals and sea lions at the aquarium in Boston and then trained birds of prey down in Arizona. And we had a lot of volunteers. So I had to figure out how do I motivate people who don't get paid? Uh, Then I went into group exercise. I used to teach group exercise classes and we know nobody wants to work out and they don't want to push it any harder. You know, so I kind of had, as I was looking, leading up to my speaking career at all of the different jobs that I had, so much of it had to do with motivation. Now, as Dave said, I'm a redhead. I'm actually a redhead impersonator, but I think I'm doing a pretty good job. And so when it come to looking at the theme of my brand, fire and lighting a fire under people became sort of what I do. And so I ignite people's influence. When people are ready to harness their emotional intelligence and learn how to communicate well, I'm there to ignite the courage so they can ignite their own influence. Wow. Let's drop the mic, Dave. Drop it. (laughs) I think this may be our shortest podcast ever, but probably the most impactful right from that. But So I, and I just learned something new. I didn't realize that you were a redhead impersonator. Um, cause, cause you know, well, I just didn't realize that and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm actually blonde under here. Wow. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm going to leave that one alone as well because <laughs> I'm just just learning to filter what comes out of my mouth to some degree. Although some people probably would argue to the contrary. <laughs> So you've had quite, and and I know, uh, you know, in our conversations, you've had quite the eclectic path to get where we are today. Um, So you you gave us a little bit of a hint, but I know you've also talked about traveling uh, Africa and and all over the world. What's the rest of that journey from from, um, animal trainer to chief igniting ignition fire starter or whatever I think that I'm going to have to change that now Dave you keep butchering it <laughs> and it's a new title too so I'm like well maybe I need to fix it <laughs> well I, I think um, in all candor for, part of the challenge I think is the fact that since we went back and forth with all these ideas for you right. I don't remember which one we settled on right right yeah and when and, you get, and- you get, when you get gray when you're when you're gray like I am that memory thing is a big issue the first thing to go I'll second. So um, the international travel started a long time ago. I actually grew up overseas. My dad worked for Marriott Hotels. So, you know, I came home from second grade in the spring of second grade and my parents said, well, we're moving to Saudi Arabia. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. Okay. And it meant a long plane ride and, uh, you know, very modest clothing and learning about a culture that was completely different from our own. And we lived in Saudi for two years. And then we lived in Egypt for a year, which was super cool because like Egyptian ruins are the coolest when you're 10 years old. And then we moved to Greece for four years. And again, Greek mythology and Greek ruins are just spectacular. I told my brother the other day, I was like, I want to have my ashes scattered off of Poseidon's temple. Because Poseidon's temple is at Sunyon, and it's on this big cliff overlooking the Aegean. It's the most beautiful place on earth. And my brother said, well, that's really inconvenient. <laughs> I was like, Jim, it's the last thing I'll ever ask you to do. So... Um, it started there and that kind of sets the bar for your life. And so when I moved to, when I quit corporate, cause I had a few corporate jobs in there too, um, and started my own speaking business, I moved up to Northern Michigan and I needed to get involved with the community. And so I joined the Rotary Club. My dad's a big Rotarian up there and I just wanted it to be easy to meet awesome, like-minded people and do good things. And I ended up on the International Services Committee and ended up going on one of the big service trips to Malawi in Southern Africa. And now I lead expeditions for that organization um, to Africa, to Malawi, to build high schools and have a lot of other involvement with that organization there. So that's been a really fun part of my journey as well, um, continuing to influence. And and part of what we do there is build up and empower the, the high schoolers, and then also a lot of the women who are now because the kids. So, so we have a cool model where we build um, vertically, right? We're not trying to spread influence or spread our impact across the country. We're working in the small area of Mangochi in Malawi. And we started with wells. And once the water is clean, the kids are healthier, they can go to school. Well, they have a shortage of public high schools. Great. So we can go in, we can help build high schools in partnership with the government. So now the kids have somewhere other than a tree to go to school under. And um, now the kids are in schools. Mom has a little more time. We can do some microloans can do some um, irrigated farming assistance where they can now build themselves up. And and we have a pass on goat project where we donate some goats and then they donate the first baby. And then everything that comes out of that goat after that is theirs. 
And so it's this really cool working on these sustainable programs that build the community and build their influence, you know, with themselves and their country and their family and their um, and their village. So that's, you know, sort of that empowerment is sort of part of this influence ignition as well. So it all kind of lines up. Wow. I, I and then you could see your passion and you get fired up about that. And, and uh, that is just fantastic. I have to imagine one of the biggest challenges when you're building influence in another culture is the communication. Mm-hmm. And you alluded to this earlier, and this is an area that Darren and I actually have have not touched on yet when we do when we're not interviewing guests or in our podcast at all, which is the imperfection of communication. And you kind of highlighted it really brilliantly when we asked you about the definition of disarming persuasion because you illustrated how it could be positive or negative. Mm-hmm. So what advice for our listeners, because even in the same culture, it's a challenge. So what advice do you have for our listeners who are trying to um, communicate a message clearly to people and they to make sure they're getting the right message, whether it's positive or or, or otherwise? How, How do you recommend you do that? You must be pretty good at it. Well, I, every once in a while, I screw it up a lot. Like I think we all do, you know, and I think the basis is building a baseline of trust and respect with people. Um, if, if I, if you believe that I have your best intentions at heart and I say something offensive or I say something wrong, you're probably going to be like, uh, and you're actually a really nice person. I don't think you meant it that way. And you're either going to silently give me the benefit of the doubt, or you're going to say, Hey, Anne, that was really offensive. You know? So I think we get caught up on strategies for saying exactly the right things at exactly the right time, which is important to be wary of our words, but Even more important than that is building that baseline of trust and respect with somebody so they give us the benefit of the doubt when we do screw it up because we will, or it'll be taken out of context or, you know, whatever happens in the process of communication where things go awry. And so I always talk about building people's emotional bank account smiling a lot, you know, when you can't speak their language, you know, um, one of the questions we get a lot in Malawi is what do you want from us? You know, why are you here? Well, we're here to build you a high school. Yeah. Why? What else, what else do you need from us? Because, you know, and, and so we need to prove to them, we're not there to try to change their religion. We're not there to try to, you know, take their crops or their natural resources or, you know, whatever, we're just there to help and we need to build that baseline of trust and respect. And that requires open communication. It requires some vulnerability. It requires trying to communicate, even though you feel like a complete goober because you're like doing hand signals and no, 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 that's not what I mean. And you laugh together, but that positive intent and trying will help people believe that you're there for, for a good reason. I love what you had to say. So it's funny, as you were talking, I was thinking you said, I think, emotional um, banking, right? I think you said something like that. I call Mm -hmm. it social currency. So it's funny, I was going to say, well, that's social currency, right? And you said it, I was like, wow, that was pretty spot on. And it's, um, I really, and we, in a previous podcast, we talk about if you want to be valuable, be vulnerable. So I Mm. thought that was really, uh, really spot on. And the importance of establishing trust, I'm embarking on a, um, the next couple of months, I'm doing trainings for this company, uh, be training 800 people from around the world. And um, 
I'm sure I will mess up. I've got size 13 and a half, at least once per session, it's going to be inserted in my mouth. So <laughs> I really appreciate, you know, talking about the trust. What do you do to establish that trust, whether it's internationally or even it's just local, you know, because a lot of our listeners are more likely to try to establish trust, you know, here in Los Estados Unidos rather than, you know, Malawi. My daughter did some work in Malawi when she was in college. So it was pleasant to hear that, uh, that, that country being mentioned. So what do you do to establish that trust with just your prospects or your clients or, or however you do it? I think the first step is listening. What was that? Is, is listening. I'm sorry, Not- one more time. One, one more time. <laughs> husband used to do that to me, Darren. I can hang up. <laughs> oh, that's why he's an ex. My apologies. <laughs> well, and, and for, for the record, folks, because I do this to my wife all the time and she hates it, <laughs> hates it. So this is not, please don't try this at home. Darren is a trained professional. <laughs> and he's protected by virtual distance. <laughs> <laughs> The problem is it takes me like four times to realize what you're doing. <laughs> That's not how you build trust, Darren. <laughs> or not how you listen, for yeah, sure. Right. Um, but in all seriousness, I, I really do think that listening, you know, we go into meetings, we go into relationships with our own agendas. And oftentimes that gets in the way of us including other people in in the situation. And And, you know, even when you're walking in for training, um, I, I do a lot of training myself. And so one of the first things, and actually I just did an interview with a company that was thinking about hiring me to do training. And they said, well, you know, we're in the construction business. We think we're different. So how do you, you know, how do you let people know that you know about our business and you seem credible? And I said, I don't. I said, because I don't know your business and it would take a lot of work for me that would not be really profitable for me to learn about your business. So most of the time with trainings, the first thing I say is, I know a lot of concepts. You know how you're going to use them. So this isn't just going to be me talking at you because I want you to walk out of here with things you can use. So as I give you concepts, I'm going to be asking you to tell me, how can you use this? What questions do you have about application? So because you understand how this works for you. And so whether it's a conversation when we're training, whether it's giving feedback to somebody, when you know we're having a difficult conversation and we want to build trust in that relationship or whether it's a networking situation where we're meeting somebody new we might want to do business with the more we listen the more we say basically i care about you and what you're bringing to the table and i know you have some value here that's how we start it's great wow that, that is so so powerful there and you know once again you're modeling what uh, what Darren talked about, you know, being, if you want to be valuable, be vulnerable mm. in your candor, right? I don't know construction. I know whatever you're training on and I'm going to solicit from your, the attendees, the construction component and together we're going to develop, right? But so many of us are out there going, don't worry, I, oh, I, I know I, it all. I, I, I'm framers and I can, you know, blah, blah, blah. it's like, no. Mm-hmm. Right. Because gonna and I'm going to I'm going to look like a buffoon if I try to pretend I know about construction, you know, <laughs> right. They're going to see right through me like, thanks, lady. Great. And they're going to sit in the back like they do with their arms crossed and their feet up waiting for the whole thing to be over. <laughs> you also said something else, though, that now is has become a, a, a recurring theme to it's happened twice where you talked about, you know, what's 
my agenda versus, you know, what's your real reason, right? So when you went to go to Malawi and you have to convince people that you have no agenda, which isn't 100% true. It's just that your agenda is to feel good about mm-hmm. what service you're providing, right? That's what's in it for you. Of course, that's altruistic in nature and, and people distrust that. So it takes a while for them to realize that there's no hidden agenda because there's so, so much of that. But there are times, too, when we we have an agenda, but we're also looking for that win-win. It's mm-hmm. like, yes, I have an agenda, but it's not in conflict with your agenda. Or maybe it is, but let's talk about it and figure out how we can both get what we need here. Well, we don't have to lose. Right. And I guess that's that's the real, it, it doesn't have to be in conflict. It could initially, it could appear to be in conflict, right? But in reality, there's it's not. So how do you... How do you bring that out? How do you, I won't say subsume, because obviously like in business, and I think many of our listeners are in business, right, we need to be profitable, right? Because if, we're, if even if we're in service of others, if we're not profitable, we can't continue to do that service mm-hmm. forever, unless we're you know unbelievably wealthy and very few of us are. So, right, Bill Gates and the Gates Foundation, obviously they're not worried about profit, right? But um but most of us are not, you know, bazillionaires. So how do you bring that out so that there is trust, that it's not hidden and that people, you create that trust? Because that's the other thing of interest is we've talked about many times, the first step in any uh, meeting and two people talking as a meeting is rapport, creating trust. So so how do you do that without? I, I think one of the big things that we don't do much is talk about the elephant in the room. A friend of mine, you know, I mean, when somebody's already on edge, for example, a sales conversation, if I think you're going to sell to me, I am immediately defensive and I'm immediately like got my guard up and like, "Mm, you're not going to sell me anything. That's why this whole disarming persuasion thing. But a friend of mine recently talked about it as we stand in the corner of the room and we don't talk about all the stuff in the middle of the room, right? So I like to, if I think that somebody's already suspicious about my motives, I'll talk about them. I'll say, here's my intent for this conversation. Yeah, I'd love you to come to my retreat because I've got this great retreat that's, you know, that's awesome. And yeah, that's how I make my money. But I also know that you will get a lot out of it because we're going to talk about emotional intelligence and self-awareness and how to get better results from people. And that's going to help you build your career. And so like talking about it and saying, hey, yeah, here's my intent. Here's what a win looks like for me in this meeting. What does a win look like for you in this meeting? And it, it's a little disarming, if I may use your own phrase, because people are like, you're t- talking about this? But then we get it out on the table. Then we can look for points of agreement. Because a lot of times we focus on those points of conflict, points that we don't agree on. But if we look for those points of agreement and, and, and acknowledge those, we see that the place that we're not the same, whether it's in a, in a sales relationship or in a feedback relationship, then we can start to attack the, the smaller piece and not feel like everything is a fight. Yeah. And I think you've nailed it, right? As soon as we acknowledge, we acknowledge things. We, we don't keep things hidden. Uh, Darren, uh, you, you have a phrase for that. I can't remember what that is. I have a few phrases. I'm not sure which one you're thinking of, but one is I remember meeting with, with a, when I meet with business owners, I'll say, let's pretend 
we evaluate your company, we find out you're the biggest challenge within the company. How would you like us to have this conversation? And uh -huh. I've been cussed at, I've been one person tried to throw me out. And he goes, no, come back here. I said, no, you don't get to throw me out twice. <laughs> if I say I got thrown out once, it's okay. But if I say twice, I'm a huge loser. And so uh, that can't happen. So when the person said, I, I think I am, the, I am the biggest problem, I said, I'm not saying you are, but I'd rather have the conversation now in case that were to happen. Mm. Because if you have the, if you're going to fight, fight up front. And, and that's what you're saying. Yeah. And you're I love saying nice away. Yeah. Well, and I love setting that expectation up front too. Because it's like, hey, here, this could happen. Yep. Here we go. You know, let's let's agree to talk about it and you get it out on the table. Absolutely. It's Dave. It's like Dave, she's listened to a few of our podcasts because we talk about managing expectations, setting up ground rules, letting someone tell you that they get to tell you no and I get to tell them no. It's very, there's a lot of uh, symbiotic conversation going on. Well, I think I'm you guys are just having smart conversations. Well, I, I told you Anne was brilliant. So I, I think I mentioned that she, she's brilliant. And I mean, and the reality is, and, and all of us who are in leadership or frankly sales, right? We, we love to potentially position ourselves as we've got the only answer. And, and it may be true that we have the only answer, but we're not the only one with that answer, right? Because there's really, I think, frankly, one right way to do it. But there's a lot of ways to approach that right way. Mm -hmm. and we each have our we, we each have our own sort of take on it because we have our own experiences. And so I think things have that ring of truth when people from completely different backgrounds and experiences end up in the same place. And I think that's why there's so much space for so many different leadership speakers and trainers and podcasts and books, because you say it in a different way that resonates with a different group of people. You say it at a different time that resonates when that person needs it. You know, so that's that's why there's so much room for all the all of us in this field, because we all resonate differently with different people. Yeah, and it was it. And I, I'm going to butcher the Greek philosopher's name. I think it's Hippocleitus, right? Her Who Heraclitus. Said, Heraclitus, right? No man ever steps in the same river twice because the river is not the same, nor is the man. Mm. Right. Wow. Okay. Now this is this is really deep. So in high school, this is the quote I got from the nuns, Ben Franklin. It is better remain silent, be thought a fool, than open one's mm. mouth, remove all doubt. So that was something that. Uh, that I um that I grew up with. So, no, I um I was just told never to eat yellow snow. Well, <laughs> once again, your parents were worldly, so you know. No, I, she was I, just a Frank Zappa fan. Well, <laughs> there, point well taken. Point well taken. I love what you're saying. There's a lot of room for this space, and for our listeners, there's also a lot of hacks out there mm. that are looking to get paid, looking to not serve people. And they're looking up for their own best interest. And so um, I'm so glad that you said there's a lot of room, there's a lot of space, but there's also a lot of people that are taking up that space. Yeah, the yin and the yang of everything, right? And they've got a lot of my money, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. Right. Oh, ab absolutely. And and then the other thing is when you set up those expectations going, you know, let's see where we agree. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be the one that's going to be talking about construction because you'd see right through that, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think when you do that, you're looking at serving your client's best interests. When when we don't do that and we say we're all things to all people, we're serving our own best interest. And, and I've actually told clients, I don't think I'm your person. Let me recommend somebody else for you uh, mm -hmm. because I wouldn't be serving them best. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I've literally said, I don't think I'm your girl. I don't think you want the little punky redhead to come in. This is, I don't think this is going to serve you and I can give you some other names. Wow. And so once again, you've hit on another theme that we've talked about here, which is when we're having that initial, uh, conversation in the beginning and we're setting the ground rules is letting, letting the prospect know, or the person you're talking to know that one of the potential outcomes is that I may feel that I am not a good fit and don't take offense. You know, I hope you won't take offense if, if I tell you that. Those conversations, all the things we're talking about, take something, uh, take courage, take, take incredible courage, uh, especially if you're in business where you, you're looking at this and going, you know, this is revenue and I need to feed my family and, mm-hmm. and, and I need to put food on a table and I have employees who I need to feed or, you know, because I, I know when I've hired people, I always look at it like having it. I've never had children, but I look at it as having a child and all of a sudden I got another mouth I have to feed. I'm, I'm taking that responsibility on. Where do you find the courage? I, in the fact that when I do that and when I stand up for the right client for me, I show up more confident, more me. And I'm able to give so much more. They have such a better experience that they recommend me to three other people. You know, I I just gave up one gig and made five on the one where I showed up as me. And and this is six years into my business. You know, five years ago, it would have been a completely different thing. I would have been like, yeah, sure, I can do whatever you want. But um, I've learned. So courage comes from experience, from messing it up. But courage also comes from success in that authentic approach. Sure. So, so success breeds success. But if we're talking to somebody who is six years ago, look, starting mm-hmm. their business, and you know, you and I started our, our 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 this phase of our lives at about the same time, and I get that. Yeah, when you're you you start off, it's like, uh, what what do you need me to do? Right. Yeah. Because yeah. because we're we're working at that um, physiological level of Maslow's hierarchy. And the hack, and this is a different type of hack that Darren was talking about people who are hacks, but this is this is maybe a business hack to how to how to accelerate your business quicker. How do you find the courage when you're in that place to go? You know, I'm the wrong person to ask about that because I think my courage came from experience of messing it up and experience of trying a lot of different things. Um, and I think early on in a business, especially if you are kind of a solopreneur in the beginning, you kind of need to do a bunch of things to say, all right, that didn't feel good, but you need to kind of have that experience first. You kind of need to say yes to some things because I've said some yes to some things and been like, that was awesome. Like the, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher the name of the association, but it's the Sus- Coalition for the Society of Minority Engineering Societies or something like that. It was a coalition of societies, but they were all engineers. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do with engineers. I married one one time. We all know how that happened with the listening. And so I was like, I don't know how this engineers, I loved them. And their brains work beautifully with the way that I speak. And the thing I love about engineers is they're willing to ask questions because they're problem solvers. And that led me to NASA and doing a presentation with them on emotional intelligence, which was so much fun. They asked some incredible questions. And so I would never have examined that area of engineering brains had I not said yes to that thing that I thought wasn't going to be good. So I think early on in your business, there is value 
in saying yes, having the courage to say, yeah, let me try that. I don't know. Let me try it. Um, though a lot of people tell you the exact opposite and they say, pick your niche and go for your niche. So I just went at it. Like you said, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Cause I struggled with pick your niche, right? I think the niche picks you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's, and it's listening to your intuition and saying, who do I really love working with and, uh, and going in that direction. Well, and I also think just based on what you were sharing, your courage happened long before you started speaking. When you're working with it was emotionally or developmentally disabled children, that takes great courage. When you're in a different country, even saying I'm here to bless you, um, that takes tremendous courage. What you've done in your own life demonstrates courage. So to me, it was just the transfer of what you've already done, which is put yourself out there and and with a pure heart and and see what happens. Would that be fair to say? I think so. And it's just saying, hey, I don't know how this is going to go. Here we go. <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's yep. that's where courage comes in is saying, I don't know the outcome to this. And I've had to do that so much growing up that that's yeah. kind of just sort of the way I live my life now. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think courage comes from one other place, too. It comes about caring more about others mm. right? because because, again, back to Darren's statement about it ta- it's, you're you're making yourself vulnerable. Courage is it, it is waiting in when you're your most vulnerable because you don't know the outcome. But and it takes a certain amount of faith, right? And, and whether you're religious or not, I think faith is an important part of our lives because without faith, we're not going to stretch ourselves. And 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 another way to say faith is to believe in what could go right. Yes, I love that. Wow. We so often look at everything that could go wrong. Hey, wait a minute, but what if it goes right? Because more often than not, it actually does. <laughs> yeah, and and. and st- Give, give yourself permission to try. Yeah. So great. Wow. So uh, 35 minutes have gone by incredibly fast as I knew it would. Um, Do you have any last words for our audience? Don't eat yellow snow. Um, no, listen, get good at listening. Um, it, it blows my mind how many connections I've made with people who know absolutely nothing about me. And there's, there's a, there's a lot, I've done a lot and it's been a really super fun life. And as I think it was Dale Carnegie said in how to win friends and influence people, you can go to a cocktail party and talk to, and talk to somebody where they do all the talking and they leave thinking you're fascinating and a great conversationalist. Like, <laughs> they're, like Ben Franklin quote, Darren, right? Y- you get good at listening and people want to listen to you and you change the whole conversation. So those are my final words. Wow. Well, thank you for being such a fabulous guest. Um, I knew you would be and you didn't disappoint. Uh, Darren, any anything to wrap up with? No, and it was just truly a pleasure. I I um I was very impressed and very energized and I see why you have your title that you have and I wouldn't change it even if Dave can't figure out what it is. <laughs> even if we can't figure out what that's it is. Only, that's only one person and there's a lot of things he can't figure out and so I'll be more than happy to share more of that list if you'd like. I yeah. look forward to that. <laughs> thank you so much for having me you guys. This has been awesome. Yeah, true true that, Darren. So thank you for 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 sharing that. All right, then until next time. Great job, Dave. Thanks, Ann. Thanks, guys. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. My name's Dave Rosenberg. 
And this is Darren Cecil. Visit our websites at LockedOnLeadership.com or DarrenCecil.com. Follow us on social media. You can find the links in the show notes. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. If you're still listening, stand by for some outtakes. said I cannot use this again but yet there may be people that are listening for the first time right. probably not cut, cut. hold on cut sorry about that I think I have something yes I do sorry I need to close Outlook um, we're going to do this again I hate when I do that God. Sly. I just Damn it, you know Dave. right yeah God. this is what happens when you work with amateurs and seriously oh. what is this we're the most amateur you'll find. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, by definition, this is a hobby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Nobody's paying us for this stuff. <laughs> right. All right. I think I'm good this time. So I wish there was a way to mute everything but. Um, yeah, right. You know, because it's, it's very annoying. Um, so, all right. I knew you were, by the way, I knew you were. Darren, I knew you were going to go there, but let's do it again. Um, Okay, Darren, what are we going to talk about today?